Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. I'm so excited about our guest today, Robert Bear. Robert Bear's life changed forever after his near-death experience. His near-death experience shook him to his core and it occurred shortly after he boarded a plane in 2009. He had a massive heart attack and was deceased for approximately 45 minutes. Robert spent more than two decades as a California highway patrolman and spirituality or religion played little role in his life at this time. I'm a different person now, Robert says. Now I only want to do good in my life. Robert is currently the co-founder and vice president of Spiritual Awakenings International. He is also a past board member and former vice president of IONS. This is his story and this is his passion. Robert Bear, I'm so honoured to have you on Passion Harvest today and a big welcome to the show. Well, I want to thank you, Louisa, for having me. And it's a real honor. And just it's just it's great to be with your audience. Thank you very much. I like to say that my near-death experiences were like a reckoning for me. And I'll explain that in a, in a few moments. I was um, I was at home in 2008. And I received a phone call from a friend of mine that I had worked with for years. Uh, he was from Santa Cruz. And whenever we talked, when you, you know you have a good friend because when you talk, it's just like nothing. It's just like you just pick up the conversation from the last time you talked to that person. And uh, we were talking, and he said, "Robert, I I feel compelled to ask you a question." And I said, "Well, what is it?" He said are you right with the Lord? And I said, what? He says, I just feel like I have to ask you that. I said, I, I think I am. And we, we just continued to talk from that point on. Well, and then a short time later, at the foot of my bed one night was my mother. She had passed away in 2005. This was actually in 2008 when, I, when this happened. And she was just beautiful. She looked like she did when I was a little boy. It was really good to see her. And I don't know how we talked. It might have been telepathically. I'm not sure. But she told me that I was about to die and to get my affairs in order. And I've, I mean, even right now, it bothers me to even think about this. Um, I just, I just, I was in a pool of sweat. Um, and my mom just, uh, she just disappeared. And I was so mad at myself because I wanted to tell her that I loved her. And just, uh, she just disappeared. 
And um, so I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I got up and and um, and then I thought, you know, I just had a full physical. I passed it with flying colors. It, um, it must have been a bad dream, but it wasn't a dream. I knew it wasn't a dream. And um, so some time passed and my friend that had called me about um, and asked me if I was right with the Lord, uh, my police friend, he died. And it was, you know, that had been the last time I talked to him. And I, uh, you know, it was just the circumstances were just kind of unfolding. And, and um, he passed away. And uh, I went down to California and I participated in his eulogy because we'd been friends for 40 something years and colleagues. And I met his whole family. I hadn't seen him in years. And uh, it was really a, really a sad time. And I, I got home and a few weeks later at the foot of my bed was my friend. I got woke up again and right in front of me was my friend and he looked like he did when we were young. And he said, Robert, I'm going to bring you through the light. I want you to know that. And I said, what are you talking about? And, and he said, I have to go. I want to go visit my grandchildren in Sacramento. And he disappeared. And I, same thing. I'm full of sweat. I can, I mean, it was just, it was really, I couldn't function for a couple of days. This was the second time this had happened to me. First my mother and then my friend. And um, so I was about to go on a vacation. Uh, every year I, I go to, to Arizona to see my son. Um, and uh, I went down there and, and it was a, almost 100 degrees. And it was, even though it was March, it was really uncomfortable. And I'm from a coastal climate where it's uh, usually in the 50s and 60s. If it, uh, I mean, on, the, on a warm day, it'd be in the 60s. So when I'm in real hot weather, I have a hard time adjusting to it. And the whole week, I didn't feel good. And um, I kept thinking, you know, this time I'm gonna be glad to, to get back to Oregon. So the day came for me to leave and my son took me to the uh, airport in Arizona. And um, we said our goodbyes, and I just wasn't feeling well. I felt sick. I thought, boy, I can, I could got to John Wayne this thing and make it all the way home to Oregon. And I bet the weather will change everything. And I walked down to the gate and uh, finally started to board the plane. I got on the plane, and I started to put stuff in the overhead bin, and I dropped dead from a massive heart attack. I don't remember anything about that because I gravitated into a light and it was absolutely phenomenal and beautiful. And someone was with me. I don't know who it was. There may have been more than one uh, soul with me. I'd like to think it was my friend because if he told me he was going to do something, he would do it. That's, that's what we did. Um, we had like a brother who had the police when I was, when I worked in, 
The next thing I know, and by the way, I saw colors that don't exist on this earth. It was just phenomenal. And I'm just, I'm obsessed with light and colors now. You can see the background. Uh, it's just, it's phenomenal what happened to me. And I ended up in front of a higher power. It was so humbling. I couldn't look at the higher power. And there were, it's like, it wasn't an auditorium, but in a way it was. There were souls all over. And I couldn't look. But I was told something, and I don't know what language, if it was telepathically. It basically, I was asked, what good had I done in my life? And the next thing I know, off to my left, started a, a life review. And it started from the day I was conceived until the day that I died. Everything that happened in my life came before me. I, I saw people that, like my grandmothers, who I had a real strong relationship with. They, I had a stuttering problem when I was a young boy, and one of them took, just took it on herself to help me with it. And I used to spend a lot of time with her. And um, this was before television where they had a radio. We'd listen to the radio shows. And, um, and you know, she had a record player. We'd sing songs. And then I'd go to bed and uh, with her. And I, I remember her snoring and all the other. I remember her smell and everything. And as I watched my life review, all those things came back. And... Um, and I, I used to ask her questions, the same question all the time. Can, you know, can you tell me about Buffalo Bill's Wild West show? Because she had seen that when she was a little girl. And she would tell me that. And then she'd say, Robert, I just told you that. But then she would tell me all over again. And it was just phenomenal. And she would read me this book, The Little Engine That Could. Um, I think it programmed me because I have done so many things in my life. And I think that book is partly responsible for it. But um, I saw that. And I saw the last Christmas uh, that she had with us. I believe it was 1954. My, I, uh, it was really neat. My, both my grandmothers were there. And one of my grandmothers, the other one was uh, blind. Uh, she had cataracts and glaucoma. So... My father built her a house behind our house, and we moved her in there, and we, we took care of her. Uh, it was just it's what family did in those days. I watched all these things happen and all these life lessons. And the one thing that, I, that amazed me about this life review, I could feel my feelings all over again, but I could feel the feelings of those people that I interacted with and their thoughts. And I'm telling you, it was some of them were good. When you have a lot of power like I had, um, you affect lives and you don't realize it. At least I didn't realize it. So there were life lessons too and everything that happened. I was very good at sports and I got to relive a lot of those things that had to do with sports. And I was pretty nasty. I was a pitcher, and I would throw it. I would throw at the hitters if they were crowding the plate. 
And if I hit them, I didn't care. Uh, I, I hurt some of them. And uh, I could really throw hard. And um, I did a lot of things. I mean, I hung out at the beach a lot. I grew up in that type of an environment. I had a situation where there was a young lady that really, really liked me a lot. And so anyways, um, there was a dance at the place called the Coconut Grove in Santa Cruz on the boardwalk. And she came over to the house and she says, will you take me to the dance tonight? And I had a, I had a car that I loved. And, and, um, and I said, well, I wanted to go cruising with my friends tonight. And she says, well, can I go with you? And I said, no. I said, no. I said, yeah, we're going to go cruising and probably go drag racing later on. And they won't want a, they won't want a girl there, a woman there. And she got all mad, took off. And she came back and gave me this letter um, and then kind of threw it at me. And um, she ended up going out with uh, some other friends that night, got in a car crash, and she died that night. It was horrible. And when I was watching this part of my life review, I heard a voice say, you never opened my letter. I know who that, I knew who that was. I knew it. I had broken her heart. And um, I mean, things like that were happening in my life review that made it, it was like a reckoning for me. This is, there's nothing but truth there, all truth. I had a lot of bad things that I had to deal with, but there were some good too. There was a, another lady that I liked from Newport Beach. It came up with her parents and I, I got to spend the day with her. Of course, her mother had to go with us. But that was fine. It was, it was one of the best days of my life. And um, I got to relive those types of things, too. But I became a policeman. And I did it when I was uh, the youngest age possible, 21 years old. And it changed my life, my attitude, everything. I worked in a place called Watts, uh, uh, part of South Central Los Angeles. And it was uh, right after the Watts riots. Uh, and it was primarily a black um, neighborhood. And uh, things were being burned to the ground. It was, it was not a good place for a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy to be like me but I did it. And one of the nights I was working, they, uh, we made a stop and they pulled this car pulled into the projects. It was for a drunk driving. And uh, when you were there, usually those apartment buildings were like two or three stories high and you'd be making a stop and then you look up and there'd be rifles pointing down at you. It was really intimidating. And um, so I, um, I, about the time we were going to arrest this guy, we heard a bunch of gunshots go off and the, everything was tense there. It was just, it was like you were in a war zone. Actually, it was like a war zone. And 
we heard some shots go off and all of a sudden I saw this guy running towards, towards us with a, with a rifle and I yelled at him to halt and uh, he didn't. And I probably could have drawn down on him, but I had like the instinct. I don't know what it was. I, I didn't. And he came up to us and, and told us that uh, somebody had just robbed him and he'd fired some warning shots. And um, when I saw that part of my life review, I heard a voice say, thank you for not shooting me. That had to be him. And little things like that were happening all the time during my life review. The participants out in, I hate to use the term audience, whatever term applies, they were able to communicate at the time. And um, some of them weren't very nice. Uh, they remind, you know, it was just like, it, it was a reckoning for me. There was a, a situation where I had a, I had a neighbor who was about my age and he was a hemophiliac and he could not play sports with us. So uh, I would go over to his place and I would play board games like Monopoly and stuff like that with him. And um, his mother would make us Kool-Aid. She had this little pack of cherry Kool-Aid that she made uh, uh, every time I was there. And she just, I don't know how much sugar she put in there, but that was the best taste in Kool-Aid. And I could taste that while I was my life review. I could taste it again. And his mom was just a great lady. And um, when I was watching that part of my life, I heard a voice say, you were my best friend. I was telling my father about this. And my father said, you know, I forgot to tell you that uh, that, he says, that had to be Paul. And I said, I know. He says, Paul's father and came by in, in the 80s. And he asked about you, but he told us about um, Paul having a blood transfusion in Los Angeles. And he caught AIDS from it and died. So I think that was him. And... Um, I just kept seeing all these things happen. A lot of things that happened that were work-related. There was a there was a situation where I was called up to the scene of an accident in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and a car had gone over the cliff and it caught on fire, and uh, there was somebody trapped inside and uh, burned to death. And um, it was it was an unusual set of circumstances because the young man had his arms like this and was laying across the seat. And um, we were talking about that and I took pictures and I said, I, I don't think this was a traffic accident. I think it was a, you know, some sort of a, a murder or homicide or something. So we called the sheriff's department up there and, and they said, no, we're not gonna take it, it's a traffic accident. So I said, okay. So I did as, I was a watch commander that night. I did what I was paid to do, which is go knock on somebody's door. 
and tell them that their loved one had passed. It, it was a, something that you don't like to do, but um, I drove up there and I was in a patrol car and the lights came on in the house uh, as I was driving up. And as I got out of the car, I heard a woman screaming inside the house and uh, I walked up to the to the door and uh, she opened the door and I said, do you have somebody here that could, uh, that, that could, I have some, something to tell you and I'd like to have somebody here with you. Uh, and she goes, no, I don't. And so I, she said, you're gonna tell me my son died. And I said, yes, that's what I'm here for. And she just broke down. And when I saw this, I heard something say, someone say, thank you for what you did for my, for my mother. That had to be him. It ended up being a homicide. Um, when they did an autopsy, they found some bullet slugs in the, in the young man's chest. So my perception of it was accurate. Um, but I mean, all these things just kind of laid out one after another. And when I retired from the highway patrol, um, I was still young. I was able to, to teach. And then I, then I became a city manager and you have a lot of power in, in that where you run a whole city and, uh, or a community and uh, you got complaints and you have all these different types of things that happen and it affects people's lives. And um, I lived those things all over again. And anybody that's been through a divorce, it's an ugly thing. But the hardest thing I had to deal with from this experience was betrayal. Um, I actually had seen uh, and knew about something that I didn't know about regarding my ex-wife. And I didn't know if it was true or not. I saw it during the life review. And um, we, had a, we have a daughter that uh, she's an attorney now. Um, and she was having uh, cancer issues. So I've, I went to where the surgery was going to take place, and my ex-wife was there. And uh, we were in a waiting room. We hadn't seen each, or talked to each other for years. And it was not a very amicable divorce. It was highly contested. And I finally said, you know, we have a daughter that needs us. Kind of have to bury the hatchet and do what's right. And um, so we, we agreed to do that. And, and then I said, you know, I have to ask you something. And I just told her what I saw in the life review, the betrayal part. She admitted that it happened that way. And that's the hardest thing I've had. It's not just this, but betrayal by friends, uh, people you work with. 
You know what happens behind your back? There's no secrets where I was. It was all truth. And I mean, it was phenomenal. And um, I'd like to say this to your audience. You know, there's different types of near-death experiences. And I'm going to explain mine because I had two the same day. They're going to be different. But our society is so used to having videos and pictures and um, things of, to prove events or what's, what's they, it's like they need that. They thrive it, thrive on it. Well, I kind of think of myself like in the days of Christopher Columbus or Marco Polo or even Mark Twain, where you go off on it and then you come back to report on it. There's no cameras. There's no videos. There's your account of what happened. And whether the people believe it or not, that's up to them. And um, it's up to your audience to believe what they want. Uh, I'm just telling them what I saw and what I felt. And I wish there were videos. I wish there were pictures. No, it's just my word. And uh, it takes a lot to get up and speak and uh, become uh, an object of um, where some people may believe you, some people don't. And I've reached that point, it doesn't matter anymore. I just tell what I experienced. That's what I'm doing here to your audience right now. So getting back to this uh, near-death experience, as I was watching this life review, something was fissioning off on my right. And I could never, I could never look at the higher power. I was so humbled. I could not look. I couldn't do it. But off to my right, something was fidgeting. And I had a dog that died in 2001. Her name was Scooter. She practically lived in my vehicle. I mean, if I went somewhere, she had to go. I took her to work. Uh, we did everything together. Um, probably ruined relationships with girlfriends. You know, it's just... <laughs> Scooter sat in the front seat. That was it. Uh, and um, I felt something fidgeting. It was her. It was so good to see her. I did not know that animals went to where I was. I didn't know it. She couldn't come to me. But she was there, and she was so happy to see me. It was just... It was so good to see her. And um, I ended up, I don't know how this happened. I ended up back um, in my body, and I'd been deceased for over 45 minutes. Um, I was back in, a, in a, an emergency room, and I had a doctor that just would not let me die. He was wonderful man. He's from Pakistan. And he just worked on me. And then I, they lost me again for about 10 minutes. And I had a different near-death experience where I actually hovered on top of the bed when they were working on me. 
I even saw the flat line. I remember seeing the flat line and somebody saying he's dead again. And um, that guy wouldn't stop. But when I was there, there was another part of the hospital where my personal belongings had come in on the ambulance and they were going through them trying to find out who the, who the hell I was and my insurance cards. So instead of watching them work on me, I was watching people in another part of the um, hospital. They were trying to find my um, insurance cards and I was trying to tell them where it was. A lot of police carry two wallets. You have one that has your regular stuff in it and another one that has your police stuff, like your badge, retirement badge and ID and stuff like that. I put the insurance cards in my police uh, badge. I was trying to tell them that and I thought, they can't hear me. And then I realized I'm dead. And finally they opened up my police and said, oh my gosh, this guy's a retired police. And I was in intensive care for a long time. I had all these machines hooked up to me. Uh, I was deceased that time for about 10 minutes where I was hovering over the bed. They revived me and ended up in an intensive care unit for a long time. And the doctor would come in and talk to me all the time. And, and, and um, I, I told him about seeing these people going through my wallet and stuff. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. He went and got them and brought them back. And he said to where I was, he goes, you tell them what you told me. I told them, and they said, that's exactly what happened, word for word. When you hear somebody give you an account of a near-death experience where they had a life review, or they were hovering over their bed watching people work on it, that happened to me in the same day. So there's not just one particular type. Uh, and I don't know how to delineate the difference, but I had these two things happen. So I went, I went on a plane, made it home, and made it down to the hospital, uh, checked in, had, had my surgery. And when I, when I was out of surgery, I was put in this surgery uh, waiting room or whatever they call it, recovery room. And it was raining like sideways. The wind was blowing. I could hear it hitting the window and stuff like that. And I happened to look over to the left and there was this nun there. And I thought to myself, am I dead? And, and then I asked her, I said, am I dead? And she goes, no, you're not dead. And I says, well, what are you doing here? And she says, I'm praying for you. I said, well, thank you. And she was kind of laughing a little bit. And so when she was laughing, I was laughing a little bit too. And she goes, it isn't funny, is it? And I said, no. But I said, it's good to know that I'm not dead. And we were, we were laughing about that. And she goes, you know, she says, I've been a nun my entire adult life. And she said, in fact, she said she was a sister. And she said, 
I heard that you were deceased for a long period of time. And I said, who told you that? And she goes, oh, it's all over. You're like Lazarus. And, and I, I said, well, yeah. That's what I was told. And she goes, you remember anything that happened to you when you were deceased? And I said, I do. And I said, I don't know if it's, if it's because there was oxygen. They were working a defibrillator on me or doing CPR or whatever. I had a flailed chest, by the way. It was that was took me forever to heal up from that. And um, and she said, "Would you mind talking to me about that?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> not now. Can you wait till I uh, recover a little bit?" She goes, "Yeah, I'll be back." So she came back, and she's one of two persons that I told everything to, and it was emotional. She was crying and. This really happened to me. My life has not been the same since. I mean, I don't want any, I don't, I never want to be the boss again. Uh, I just want to do good. And I uh, started to do things that like Spiritual Awakenings International or writing grants or whatever and for homeless people and uh, disabled veterans and stuff. That's what I do now. And, um, and I speak. Anybody that wants me to speak, I'll speak. I don't charge anything. It's just, it's just getting the word out. And um, I've had 4,742 additional days of life. Yeah. It's, I'm really blessed. It's a blessing to talk to you, Louisa, and to your audience. It's a blessing to get up every day. Uh, we're so blessed. And the bottom line is, everything is small stuff when you think about it. I mean, if you're having a bad day and you get a ticket from the police, it's not the end of the world. That's small stuff. You experience something life-threatening or... Uh, that's a little bit different, but um, I think I'll end it there. And I think I've, I looked at the time. It's about that. I may have exceeded my time. No, 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 no. You were, I mean, what a great guest. I didn't, I mean, I had all these questions to ask you, but you kind of answered them all for me. Um, and, and for the audience, I also want to say, Robert, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your incredible experience near-death experience and your and your truth and i think you're very very brave uh it's not easy but it's i think that's why i'm one of the reasons i'm back and um i i really would um encourage your audience to get on the internet uh and it's free uh www.spiritualawakeningsinternational.org we have a lot of subscribers from down under. Yeah, it's it's a great organization. Actually, Dr. Yvonne Kaysen's been on the show. It's, it's I know she told me her and I were <laughs> her and I are the co-founders. Yes, it's a great and it's a uh, great organization. We, um, um, we've done something special for the world, and uh, we're we're there for you guys, for everybody that's had a spiritually 
transformative experience. I shed quite a tear a couple of times speaking about your life review and the pets and that you didn't open the letter. And it was, it was just so emotive. You felt, you sensed, you experienced everything I had, in this life review. I did a show for someone from New Zealand and they wanted to, because I still have the letter, I haven't opened it. I found oh, you haven't letter. opened the letter? I, I can't do it. Why? Uh, <laughs> You sound like my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's emotional to me. I understand. Uh, I mean, I, I know what's in it. Mm -hmm. I know how I behaved. Right. I know I broke somebody's heart. Um, I was, a, I was a kid and um, my, uh, I, actually my girlfriend actually was my car. I put all my money into the car. It was just, in America, that's what young guys did in that time period. It was about, and and I loved the, uh, I loved going cruising with them, and and uh, it was just, uh, and then we'd go drag racing and and um, acting like hooligans. But um, yeah, that the lady wanted me to have a show where I opened the letter, and I might still do it, uh, but. Um, when you're ready. But again, it's only words you already what, know. But it, again, you're, you're using your feeling, which I think is wonderful. You don't really need to read the words. You already know what's in it, as you said. Oh, and you, you know I read mine. Feelings. And, and uh, so, but. Um, so how are you feeling about your future life review when you do transition from this you know, earthly plane? It, you know, I, I hope I don't have to do the whole thing all over again. I hope it's from March 22nd, 2009 to the day I pass. I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's who knows. I mean, I could, could have another heart attack anytime. If it happens, I am just grateful for the 4,742 extra days I have right now. What a gift that is. Amazing. Robert, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Can I just ask one final question? What's your advice um, for, for the audience? To, how, how can they implement tools to live a full lived life? Live every day like it's your last day. I do that now. I get up in the morning and I <laughs> I turn on this song, uh, It's a Beautiful Morning by the Young Rascals. I play that every morning because it puts me in that. I have to realize it's a beautiful morning. Yeah. I do that every every day. I <laughs> so it's it's so old. But you know something? It makes me feel good to, to do that. So yeah. I start the day off like that. And um, um, really, life's what you make it. And um, just do good. That's the, <laughs> that's the main thing. And yeah. uh, life's an adventure. It is. Enjoy if, the ride. If enjoy we the choose, ride. As you said, it's our it's our choice. So enjoy the ride. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful and such a simple answer, Robert Bear. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. And anytime, if you want me back, ever. Sure.
and get a hold of me can I'll... please continue the work that you're doing <laughs> <laughs> thanks louisa thanks so much bye robert that is the end of our passionate episode thank you so much for listening and please subscribe leave a review tell your friends and spread the passion as always every day may you be more and more passionate